Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Hey, I just want to ask a question. Has everybody passed their midterms thus far? Anybody, uh, does anybody get a little stressed out when I say midterms, right? Some of y'all need Jesus to turn water into wine on your test, amen, hallelujah. Can y'all believe that almost half the semester is gone? Maybe? Golly, it goes crazy. Hey, seniors, if you can snap, will you snap right quick? Hey, seniors, tell all the freshmen how quick college goes by. Am I, am I right? Freshmen, it goes by quick. You better enjoy it. Amen, hallelujah. I want to know something. Do we have any worriers in the house? All right, your grandma might call you worry warts, all right? I don't know what that means, but they say it, all right? Don't be shy. Some of you freshmen, you worry about those tests and you're like, oh, I'm gonna fail college, I'm gonna fail life, and you're just worry, worry, worry about tests. Or sophomores, you're like, man, it's, it's crazy how sophomore year happens, right? Because you think you're about to graduate like the next semester, it seems like, and you're like, I'm gonna fail life, I'm a sophomore, I don't have my major, I don't know what to do. Oh my goodness. Junior year kicks in and you're like, I'm single. What? I've been dated since like I was six years old, right? I'm supposed to be like married by now. Please don't get married in college, all right? And seniors, let's be honest, like the holidays are just a little harder because you know that when you go see Aunt Sue or, or Uncle, Uncle Ben, they're gonna be like, well, what you gonna do once you graduate, right? You're like, graduate? <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a job, I don't know. You know, about a month ago, I talked on the Let's Talk series, I talked about just a little bit about stress and anxiety and worry, and I said, I'm gonna talk more about that on a later date, and guess what, today's that later date. I don't know about some of you in here, but I know a lot of you in here, and I've, I've been walking with a lot of you in here for the past couple years. I know that many of you are stuck in this crazy cycle, and it starts with like worry and stress, and then that worry and stress turns into anger, and then that anger might just turn back to stress and worry, and then that, that worry and stress might turn back to anger, and then maybe some of us, we might take it even a little bit darker and a little bit deeper, and we might actually end up in depression, and I call it this crazy cycle that I feel some of us we get into because we get worried about something, and then we get stressed about something, and then we get down about something, and then we might even end up getting darker about something, and then we just get into this crazy cycle where we're just kind of feel like we're stuck in a rut. It's like we just can't ever quite get out of that rut. We can't ever quite just feel the joy that we know that the Bible says and talks about and we just don't ever really feel this peace and this patience that Jesus promises because we feel like we're kind of stuck in a rut and we just can't get over worry. Now, I don't know about some of y'all, but I have been there many, many times. And I know for some of you tonight, 
I know for some of you, and I can promise for some of you tonight, you feel like you're stuck in a rut, and I, I truly believe the passage that God has given us today, I think that it's gonna be able to help you take, take you out of that rut and be able to live a life that Jesus wants you to live. And I think for some of us who maybe have been walking with more spiritual maturity and we've been walking in our faith longer, I think that you can actually take notes on this, be able to uh, work with this, and be able to learn through this because I guarantee you got five friends that are stuck in the same rut. But I think tonight, I, I really want us to learn how do we get over worry. You tracking with me? Matthew 6, 25. Who's got a Bible in here? I just wanna see, who brings a Bible? Who's got, who, who really likes our big screen? Amen, hallelujah. Modern technology, let's do it. All right, Matthew 6, 25, and it says this. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you eat, will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not your life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more value than they? And which one of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span in life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious saying what we shall eat or what we shall drink or what we shall wear, for the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own Trouble. If I can kind of just put in some context what is going on here in Matthew 6, 25, Jesus is giving his sermon on the mount where he has gone up to the mountain and his disciples and some of the other followers have been faithful and they followed him up here and Jesus is giving a little spiritual smackdown as you, as you may about uh, kind of some of the big things and big topics that he wants his disciples to know. But what Jesus, you know, a lot of people like to look at the Sermon on the Mount and they think it's, oh, this is sweet and this is awesome and this is great. But when you really look at the Sermon of the Mount, it's really actually hard for a lot of us to swallow. Because what Jesus is doing on the Sermon of the Mount is he realistically is taking the old law and he's making it his new law He's not making a new law, that's a lie, that is false prophecy right there, okay guys? What Jesus is doing, he's taking the old law and he is showing us in his own way that it is impossible to do this very thing without him. For example, if you read a little bit earlier in chapter six, Jesus talks about murder. You know, the old law says do not murder. But this is what Jesus says, but I say to everyone that who is, who is angry with his brother is also liable for judgment. 
Whoever insults his brother will be liable for counsel, and whoever says, you fool, will be, able, will be liable to the hell of fire. What? Don't even get me started on what he starts talking about with lust. He says, you say you have read, do not commit adultery. But what I say to you is that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. We're like, what? I mean, I thought just sleeping with somebody that was married was against the rules, or me being married. I knew I wasn't supposed to sleep with anyone else but my wife, but what Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Even if you think about it in your head, you are actually committing Adultery, and man, it just, God, it's just crazy how Jesus doesn't, doesn't make it easier on us. Jesus actually intensifies it for us, showing us how much we need him. He goes on to talk about divorce. He goes on to talk about retaliation. He goes on to talk about loving your enemies, which is all very, very difficult for us to do, and I don't want us to, to just cast these aside because I think that a lot of y'all ask me all the time, what are some things that I can read? Where do I need to read in the Bible? I think you need to spend two weeks just on the Sermon on the Mount. I think that it would really help you out. But this is what's crazy to me when looking at this text is I think a lot of us, we can understand what I just said. And I think that we can get behind, well, I know that I'm not supposed to commit murder, and I also know, yeah, I'm not supposed to hate my brother, and I'm supposed to mend that relationship. You know, I can, I can understand that I'm not supposed to be lustful. I can understand that I'm, I'm not supposed to even think about somebody else. And I think we can get behind it, and I think we can understand it. But you know what I think really gives us trouble? is when Jesus says, don't be anxious about your life. Some of y'all are like on pins and needles right now. You're like, well, Brent, I'm stuck in this slump and, and all this, and then you're gonna read me about the birds and the flowers, and that's supposed to help me get out of this? The birds and the flowers, right? Well, the birds and the bees haven't gotten you anywhere, right? Well, I figured I'd change it up a little bit, okay? That's a college joke. I couldn't say that in church. They would really run me out then. Can I just say a side note on that? Don't y'all love Brent Russell's side notes? February's coming, amen, hallelujah, relationship series, let's do it. There's always power and purity. There is no power in sin because there is no power where Jesus can exist. And listen, students, and I wanna say this this semester, I want you to be blessed, I want you to walk uh, with Jesus, I want you to have your right rhythm with Jesus, but you can't have your right rhythm with Jesus if you have an idol in between you and Jesus. And so many people think that sex can help us. Let me tell, well, let me ask you a couple questions. When you sit down and you try to read the word of God or when you try to pray with God or you're sitting alone in your room and you try to meditate on God, I guarantee you the one thing that Jesus is always going to bring up is that idol. He's always gonna bring up the idol because that's the one thing that you're putting in position between you and Jesus that you think you need and Jesus knows that you don't need. 
And I, I, I'm going to say this with grace and with goodness, but I'm telling you, God loves you. He cares for you. He came and died for you. I promise you that if you remove that idol, you will get power like you've never felt before. You will get a rhythm with Jesus like you never felt before. And I'm telling you, I, will, I want you to remove it because I want you to feel full in him. Amen? Can we talk about that in February? Who's going to show up in February, right? Everybody's like, well, maybe me, right? I think that we can understand a lot of these beatitudes or a lot of these attitudes that Jesus is talking about, but when it comes to worry and anxiety, I think it's a little more complicated. Let me preface it with this. I think that there might be greater sins than worry, but they certainly aren't as disabling. And see, what I love about Jesus, if we can just kind of dive into the texture, what I love about Jesus is he covers all of his bases when he says, just don't be anxious about your life. Then he gives us some especiallys, especially about what you eat or what you drink or what you wear. I love his defenses when he says why not to worry. First defense on why not to worry about food is because he looks at the birds in the air. Do they look worried, right? They eat and they don't, they don't worry about storing up food in their barns. They don't worry because God provides for them. If he provides for the birds in the air, how much more do you think he would provide for you? The second event he gives about clothing. Consider the lilies on the field and how they grow and they cover the grass. They neither toil nor spin. They are beautiful and they cover these fields. Not even Solomon, in all, the wisest and the richest man to ever live, could be as beautiful to, to them. But God could even clothe the grass and the flowers, which have little to no value. How much more do you think he wants to clothe you? You know, looking at and studying this passage this past couple weeks, man, God was just exposing some major things in this passage to me. And I think that one of the biggest things that he showed me is that shallowness is exposed in our worries. See, Jesus is expressing to his followers who are going against every way of the world at this point in their life. They are submitting their lives under Christ, and if they did this and they started walking totally with Jesus, they would either be shunned, they would either lose their jobs, they would lose their housing, they might be even kicked out of their town for their belief in him. Inevitably, what would happen is that they would lose their finances, which would actually in turn make them lose their food and lose their shelter and lose their clothing. So in turn, they would take into account what is it worth to follow Jesus? I think if we can just look at this biblical account, I think what Jesus says about the birds and the flowers, if we can consolidate it to one thought is simply this, is that Jesus provides for his creation. He provides for the birds to eat and he provides for the flowers to cover and on the spectrum of things, they are far less value than you or I, and we should not worry about these things. My question to us students who are in middle America, who in Oklahoma were considered part of the Bible Belt in, which, uh, in, in this nation, which we have a church on almost every corner in Norman, Oklahoma, right? with Bibles on our cell phones, with scriptures tattooed on our arms, with 20 plus ministries on this campus, what do we truly have to worry about? Amen, thank you, Jesus. 
I know that some of us think, and I know that some of us worry about some big things in our life, whether we got the right usher cuts, all right? I know it's a big deal for some of us. I know some of us worry about our tan lines, amen? Tan lines, crazy, right? Just kidding, guys. Just kidding. Body's the temple, take care of it. Here's what I'm getting at. What you worry about shows where your faith is shallow at. Show me your worries and I will show you your faith. You want to expose where your shallow spots are in your walk with Jesus, why don't you just evaluate the last week of your life and see where, where was I worrying about something when I needed to have faith in something? Because according to what Jesus is saying here in Matthew, where you worry is where you're not trusting God to provide for you. Maybe we worry because we're not in a relationship or lack thereof. Maybe we worry about our future. Maybe we worry about our jobs. Maybe we do worry about our physical looks. Maybe we worry about everything. Anybody up in here just worry about everything? You worry even when you're not worrying, right? It could be finances. A lot of us worry about our grades. I don't know where you worry, but I can promise you this, is that if you evaluate where you worry, you can evaluate where you are shallow in your faith for Jesus to provide for you. In its core of worry, just think about it. If God feeds the birds and he covers the flowers, he says, why would you worry about anything? In its core, it's trusting yourself over trusting Jesus when you worry. Which in turn shows that your faith in Jesus is less than your faith in yourself. Which tells me that worry is a choice. It's not a mistake, it doesn't happen by accident. You are choosing to trust your worthy rather than trust the creator of the world. You show me your worry and I will show you your faith. Our shallowness is exposed in our worry, but that's not all that Jesus is trying to say in this passage. He shows us then that there's a cost to our worries. Verse 27, he says, which of, you by, which of you by worrying can add a single hour to your lifespan? If we jump down to 34, he says, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for today's its own trouble. The cost that Jesus represents in these two verses is surrounded by the same problem, and the problem that he is talking about is time. If we look at this with a rational approach, does worrying add anything to your already counting clock of life? No. He also says, how many of us worry about five years from now, and most of the time that's not even going to happen anyway. See, I think Jesus was hitting on the same very, I think Jesus was hitting on something very important for us to realize in our life, that time is important. We only have one life to live on this world and we need to make it count. This is what Jesus was trying to convey to his disciples, that it's costly for us 
to worry. It's not going to add another minute to your life. Actually, if you look at worry and stress, it's contrast to us because worrying and stress actually makes things in your body worse, amen? Anybody just, just feel worse when you are worrying? It doesn't help you, it actually hurts you. Maybe we can look at it a different way. You know, my wife and I, Caroline, the sweet blonde up here that sings like an angel, looks like an angel, sings like an angel, acts mostly like an angel, amen, hallelujah, just kidding, she is an angel. We have uh, what we call Groundhog Day every day. We wake up at the same time every day and we have the same schedule, is that she gets up with our, our youngest, River, and she goes and grabs him, and then they come into our bedroom, and if I'm awake, I will give him a high five. All right, that's what we do. If I am asleep, he still gives me a high five, but she makes she makes sure it's on my face. And the little one year old, he he's got he can put some muscle behind it, and I'm definitely awake then. All right, he still gets his high five, but it might be on my face. But by the time that I wake up, I go get our big boy Revan, and I go get him out out of bed and. I go plop him down on the couch and I turn on Channel 4 News and I go drag myself to make a cup of coffee and get some breakfast going. Caroline walks in with River and plops him down on the floor with some toys and they start playing together and she'll come in and make herself a cup of coffee. I know this is boring you right now. It's boring me even telling it. (laughs) But it's crazy that we haven't learned something yet Every time I turn the remote on and I throw it on the couch and I forget about it and I go make my coffee and when she comes in, we start working on something and then we hear it switch to a commercial. And for some reason, TV programs have started showing the anti-smoking commercials. And what it is, God bless their soul, is people who've survived from smoking or tobacco use and it, the, ha, their, their lower jaw will be, be removed or they'll have the big hole in their neck. And like, don't get me wrong, I love them, um, but it terrifies my children. And every time that it comes on, I'm telling you, we forget the remote. We're like, hey, like Revin, River, hey, look at it. Like we're doing jumping jacks. We're doing everything that we can to get their attention to come on to us without looking at the, you know, I mean, I twerk a little bit just to make things interesting, you know, and like, I'm like, hey, come on, look at us, look at us. We do all that we can to keep them from seeing the very thing that we don't want them to see. Have you ever thought about this? That all things in your life that you have worried about could be the devil and his demons doing the very same thing? They see something that they don't want you to see and they start distracting and they start waving all these worries in your face. They keep dropping these mind bombs in your head that distract you from the very thing that they want you to see. They see your purpose, where God wants you to go. They see the direction that God wants to take you. They see all the things, the potential that God has for you, and they're gonna try to do everything that they can to take you away from where God wants you to be. And the best way for them to do that is to waste your time. See, the most costly thing for us students 
is time. Because if they can waste your time, guess what they're, do, what, guess what they're doing? They're distracting you from your purpose. Because what does worry do? It essentially does this. It makes you focus on your problems rather than thriving in your purpose. See, the best way for the devil to destroy a purpose is to waste our time with worrying. It's costly. Time is valuable. Our purpose is valuable. And the only thing not valuable in this equation, students, is worrying because everything plus worry equals wasted time, but everything plus God's purpose equals God's praise. So students, worry shows our shallowness, does it not? But it's also costly to us, but this is what I love about our great God and our great loving and Savior, Jesus Christ, is that he doesn't leave his children stuck and lonely and shallow with no purpose, but he gives us direction, he gives us purpose, and he gives us promise. What does he say here? He gives us an antidote of overcoming worry. 6.33, he says this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. I want us to tear this just apart, just so we can make some mental notes. He says, don't worry about food or drink, because God cares for you more than the birds. Don't worry about what you wear, because God cares for you more than the flowers. If you do this and you worry this way, you actually have a mind and a faith like the Gentiles who do not have a God, they do not have a faith, they do not, they do not have a hope, all they have is worry. But then he says something that I think kind of caught my attention, he says, but you of little faith, that could be derogatory, but it also, I think, can be a bar set because that tells me something is that you don't have to have a mountain of faith to obtain this antidote. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all of this will be given to you. He is saying if you seek God first and all you do and all you have, he will take care of you. So what would worry look like if before you let it distract you, you went to God first and sought after his righteousness. I'm not saying that he's not saying seek for other things, but I think what he's saying is seek God first. You want a good job? I know that a lot of us want good jobs. Well, before you seek after that, why don't you seek God first? God, what job do you want in my life? God, why don't you show me what type of person that I could be in this job? Why don't you illuminate if this is the job that you want me to have? God, I want a job that is gonna show me, how, it's gonna show how much I love you. God, give me a job that I can illustrate my faith in. God, I wanna have a job that I can just be a light in such a dark place, and you just start seeking God's righteousness and building God's kingdom. 
Some of us in here, we worry about relationships. What if we went to the God Almighty and said, God, before I get this boyfriend or God, I get this girlfriend, I wanna seek you first. God, I wanna make sure that I'm doing my singleness right. I wanna make singleness a gift because I wanna make sure that I'm right single so I can be right when I'm married. I don't wanna bring any baggage. Lord, show me, illuminate me. Show me how I can rely on you in such great faith. God, you know what? I wanna wait in my faith right now. And you know what? I wanna to get to the point in my life where whether I end up in a relationship or not, I'm still fulfilled in you. You wanna know what you're doing, students, when you seek first the kingdom of God? You're choosing worship over worry. You won't be worried, why? Because when you seek to worship God first in all you do and all you say and all you think, you place your control at the feet of Jesus and you say, God, you know what? My life is not mine anymore, my life is yours. I'm not saying that you don't have to work hard at it. I'm actually saying the opposite. I think that when you place your life in control of Jesus, I think that you're actually gonna work harder. I think you're gonna fight harder. I think you're gonna shine brighter. I think you're gonna love bigger. I think you're gonna laugh more. I think you're gonna help more. I think you're gonna serve more because when you aren't worrying about everything in this world and what everybody thinks and if you're not getting enough, you're worshiping God and I don't know about you, but when I'm worshiping God, I feel more alive than when I'm worrying. Amen. See, about 10 months ago, we had a, a two-month-old, and we also had, I think Revan was about a, a year and a half, and I was sleeping. It was about midnight, and our fire alarm went off. One of the fire detectors went off right by the boys' rooms. Now listen, when a two-month-old or three-month-old is sleeping, you want him to stay that way, all right? Because when they wake up, it's daddy's turn, all right? It's always daddy's turn, all right? Amen, hallelujah, all right? And you always have to end up staying up late with him. And so when that fire alarm goes off, your boy is levitating off the bed because I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go for that fire alarm. And since I'm fast, I, your boy was levitating on that floor with his 4-4 speed, all right? Don't be, hey. White lightning over here, all right? Don't let the dad bod fool you, your boy's got wills. But your boy's running in darkness, and it's down this hallway, but this is what I forgot, is two days before that, I set up a baby gate. <laughs> I'm not joking about this. The other thing, since I, it was dark, I couldn't see the five little uh, cars in front of the baby gate. And since your boy was just skimming on top of that wood floor, I hit that, I hit those cars, and I hit that gate. I hit, I, hit it, I hit it so hard that my feet actually came up and it was all face, like all face on the ground. Fire alarm still going off. By the grace of God, my boys sleep like their daddy and they didn't even wake up, all right? It was, it was terrifying. It really was terrifying. I collided with everything. I, I hit the gate so hard, I actually bent it in half. I got up and I turned the light on and I went and fixed the fire alarm. I turned, I picked everything up. Gosh, it's scary. 
You know when seeking God first doesn't mean that you're not gonna have problems. Actually, the Bible promises the more that you walk with Jesus, actually the harder that life is going to go. But when you walk with Jesus and you seek him first, what it does, it actually turns the lights on in your life and it shows you the problems. And it shows you some problems that you can avoid, but it also shows you how to get through some of the problems in your life. It shows you maybe how to open up some of the gates in your life to be able to walk through them and be able to, to live the right life that you could actually Sorry. trip up on. Thank you, Siri. <laughs> See, if you don't seek God first, students, you're running in darkness, and I promise you that you're gonna trip on something, you're gonna get stuck on something, and what's gonna happen is that crazy cycle that we were talking about happens in your life, because if you're not seeking God first, you're just living a life for nothing. See, seeking God first helps turns on the lights in your life, and it shows you how to get through some of this stuff in your life. So students, Worry will control your life if you let it. Some of us in here tonight were controlled by worry and anxiety, and if tonight has shown you any t anything, I hope tonight it has shown you that you need to change it. You have a savior that came and died for you to not only have eternal life, but to have abundant life. And he wants to be able to give you a life that you could never imagine, and we need to be able to lay down our life and give it to him, and he promises that he can do more than we could ever imagine or say. And he also wants to give you something. He wants to give you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithful, faithfulness. And the only way for us to do that is when we seek him. Some of us tonight, we've realized something is that we have shallow faith and we're, we're not trusting God in our worries. We're actually trusting ourselves. And this is what I wanna beg you tonight. I actually wanna beg you to come and pray with our prayer team or come and lay down at, or kneel down here at the altar. I want you to give them to Jesus and be able to say, you know what? I'm not gonna worry about this anymore, God. I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna leave it here. I'm gonna walk out of this room today living in worship and not living in worry. I want to leave with one thing here tonight, students, is that the main thing that I wish that I had to have had time to do another point is simply this. What you seek is what you will find, and what you will find is what you will follow. Make sure you seek Jesus, because once you find him, he will show you a whole other world that you can never imagine. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for you. Thank you that you came down and you died for us. And Lord, let us be able to trust that, not only in our eternity, but also in our temporary, that we live a life that is pleasing to you. But also, Lord, we're, a lot of us are just stuck in worry. A lot of us are just stuck in, in the same thing, in the same crazy cycle. And we need to be able to lay our worries down at your feet tonight. We need to leave them there. We need to be able to walk away tonight a whole new person. And Lord, I beg and I plead that these students have the confidence. I pray that they have the boldness to, uh, to be able to see and reflect in what areas of their life they need to grow in you. And Lord, wherever they have shallow faith, let them be able to turn that worry into worship. Lord, 
we need students to realize that this life isn't meant to be lived in fear and worry because God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. So Lord, encourage us tonight as we sing these last couple songs. Give us this courage to come and just pray or leave. Maybe some of us in here, we need to make you the savior of our life and we just need to trust you and be able to walk with you and be able to start a relationship with you. So Lord, be with us, encourage us. Put your name, amen. If you would stand up, let's worship, please.